are, and we're live. Anthony Napolitan, what's up, dude? What up, man? How are you? I'm good. I was just telling you, I finally get a chance to breathe for today. How are you? Uh, doing great. Just been running around. Had a hectic, I don't know, last four days or whatever. I was up in Sedona, Arizona for a bike festival and uh, had to leave a day early. So I come home and pack and then I'm off to Brazil tomorrow morning. Jeez. Yeah, I want to talk more about both of those things. But before we get to there, I wanted to ask you how your day was and what you do today. <laughs> yeah, literally just uh, see, I woke up. Uh, packed, started packing clothes, did like one load of laundry. Um, just did like some quick cycles on that. Cause I want to get some time to go to the skate park. Cause I was on the mountain bike for four or five days in a row. So it's nice to go to the Vulcan bowl and just kind of pump around and hit some airs here and there. Um, so I did that for about an hour or so. And then I've kind of just been hanging just, uh, double checking all the travel lists, making sure I'm doing everything right. Making sure I have everything. Make sure GoPros are charged, iPads are charged, earbuds are charged. You know how it goes. Yeah, it's it's always a freaking madness, chaos in your head because I feel like BMX riders were too stubborn to like, all right, I'm going to actually make a list. I'm just going to remember <laughs> everything. Yeah, yeah. I was checking the weather in Brazil too. It's not looking so favorable right now, so I threw a rain jacket into the bag as well. Ugh. But uh, hopefully it changes. It's down where Leandro lives, uh, just out of Sao Paulo, is uh, this time of year, they're kind of going into winter or fall, I guess, since we're going into spring here pretty soon, mm -hmm. or already are. I don't even know. But um, anyways, it's starting to get a little rainy down there. So usually uh, he holds the contest earlier in the year. So it's almost kind of like back to back with the first uh, triple challenge event. Mm. But uh, he's kind of spaced it out a bit now, so... Okay, I guess since we're already started on that topic, what what's the, are you, it's a contest? Yeah, yeah. So it is. Uh, this is probably the fifth year that he's done it, and I've gone four of the years. But uh, it's at the Curie Curie Cupue, It's so hard to say Curie uh BMX jumps. They've been there for like over twenty years. They're legendary. Um, you've probably seen the ride cover of Diogo Cabina doing a huge Superman sea grab with the Sunset City in the background. Mm. Uh, and then obviously if you follow Leandro, like everything he posts is pretty much from those trails. Um, but he's got a pretty sweet deal. Um, I'm not entirely, I can't remember what the, the name of the station is, but they are one of the biggest, uh, sports stations in Brazil. And, uh, just because South America is so rad, even when his contest isn't going on, it's almost like a old style, like fuel TV where they're constantly playing. It's like they mix mainstream sports and action sports together all on one channel, but it's constant throughout the year, which is pretty cool. So nice. you can literally tune in at any day and be like, Oh, cool. Skate skating's on or BMX is on or surfing's on. Oh, football's on whatever, you know, Huh? but they broadcast that throughout the entire country of Brazil and it's all live. That's really cool. Yeah, not many people know about it. Um, but, yeah, it's a pretty big deal for uh, BMX Dirt, in my opinion. I would say so. I mean, it's how long have they been doing that? I think this is the fifth year. Of, yeah. Of, like, broadcasting the stuff? Yep. 
Yeah, and it's a production. They bring grandstands in. It's it's honestly when I'm there, it's like it's like a like a Brazilian X Games. You know, it's like they have guys at different points with like the huge cameras like up on uh, the scaffolding platforms. Like they have people holding us, telling us when we can drop in. Like it's it's really well put together. Wow. So is it got like big name Brazilian sponsors or something? Like how do they even fund that? It does, yeah. They have big name Brazilian sponsors. I think a lot of the funding comes from the from the TV company as well. Um, but yeah, they do. I think I saw Leandro like is involved with some cable internet sponsorship now, so I'm sure they're in the mix doing stuff. And yeah, huh? He's definitely got a smile for TV, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, he definitely does, and he's he's always smiling. Uh, they love him in Brazil too. So he's just you know. He's in his element when he's there. Yeah. Do you know the name of that station? Did you say it already? I do not know the name of the station. I I actually can't remember. I, I actually have no clue what it could be. Okay. Well, I'm sure somewhere it could get found out. Somebody just said it gets streamed live on YouTube as well. So. Oh, cool. That. Perfect. There's yeah. that. Yeah, that's so sick. I can't believe I never even heard of that before. Yeah, it's really... The, Man, South America is so sick. It has, like, probably the best, one of the best dirt jumping scenes in the world. It's like Brazil, Colombia, Chile, Argentina. They all have insane dirt spots. And I think, like, Chile has, like, five really gnarly ones that are, like, all relatively close to each other as well. Huh. So we're going to have a whole bunch more Gustavos coming out soon? Oh, you have no idea. I remember back in, like, 2008, I believe, I... Alejandro Caro flew me to Brazil um, for a contest that he was putting on. It was called Red Bull Upside Down. And uh, it was in this little town called Buga, Colombia. And we, me, Brandon Dosh, TJ Ellis, we went there for, I think, a whole week. And he kind of took us around his scene. And there are so many dirt jumping spots and so many stylish riders. Like, it was like, I remember when we were there, we were saying that, like, Columbia just has a ton of, like, unknown Corey Bowens. Huh. And that's exactly what it was. Just the most stylish dudes riding bikes and boosting to the moon and with just virtually unknown names, you know? Wow. You would think that it must be really difficult to, like, start BMX as an industry down there because you'd think there'd be more of it. Yeah, I think a lot of it, too, is just the way the countries are run too. I know like Brazil has a huge import tax on, you know, importing stuff like BMX parts and frames or whatnot. So I assume like a lot of the other countries in South America have similar issues, you know? Yeah. It must be the same way with like material. If somebody down there was going to start making frames or parts. Yeah, exactly. Huh? That's wild, dude. I, I mean, it's really cool that that's happening and consistently going and, it's probably just keep getting bigger, I would guess. Yeah, every year uh, the contest seems to grow, so I'm I'm pretty excited. I didn't get to go last year, um, but I had gone the past like previous three years, so I'm excited to go back. Brazil is one of my probably top travel to countries. I'd say Brazil, China, and New Zealand are the top three places that I've uh, done return trips the most in. I want to say Brazil and China would be pretty close. They're probably anywhere from 10 to 15 trips, uh, separate trips, give or take. Wow. That's wild. 
Is it is Brazil like mainly jumping stuff? Yeah, I mean the for the longest time it was like the mega ramp that was taking me to Brazil. Oh yeah, because we used to do like a this mega ramp event down there, and that brought me down there for a handful of years. And then what else? Yeah, it was really just mega ramp, and then. There was a big lull where I didn't go for a super long time, and then Leandro started doing these contests again, and next thing you know, I'm like five more trips deep. So That's so sick. Well, I don't want to delay it any further because I put it in the title. Let's oh, just yeah. go ahead go. and do it. Yeah. Guess what, what everyone? <laughs> Guess <laughs> freaking what? This is back. Well, it's not back yet. Galaxy yes. Rest is coming back very soon. Yes, it is uh, dropping next week, the week of the 13th. Yes, and let me pull up the info here. So the info is that it's going to be available through local bike shops, shipping the week of March 11th. So you got to reach out to the local shop. Yeah, and I think one of the things that I learned through the release of Galaxy Rust the first time around was, uh, yes, it came up pretty quick. It was pretty limited, which this batch is also limited in more than one way, and we'll get to that uh, in a bit. But uh, the best thing is now that people know what Galaxy Rust is and they really want it, um, get a hold of your local local bike shop. If you know of a bike shop in particular that uh, deals in profile racing parts uh, pretty heavily, definitely reach out there because... As soon as these things go live for the shops to purchase, it's going to be a feeding frenzy again, and they're all going to be gone super quick. So if oh, you have yeah. any inclination that uh, you want to buy you know, a set of hubs in Galaxy Rust, get on it sooner than later. Yeah, I'll give my personal experience because actually this whole entire thing stemmed from my personal experience yes, last really time because yeah. I, I wanted one of those sets of hubs so bad and I didn't find out about them until after everything and the shops were starting to get their sets. And I would message every single person I knew who had a shop and they were like, sorry, somebody's already spoken for these things. And I was like, no. So I literally painted <laughs> my own. And yes, I'm excited for you to see that in person one day. But like that, it's just funny to me that that happening that long ago me talking to you at Woodward is what originally like spawned this whole idea. Yeah, exactly. And you know, you weren't the you weren't the only one that was trying to create kind of their own Galaxy Rust look either. There's I, I can't remember his Instagram Jonathan uh, to, to the T, but his his Instagram is like Brooklyn something or other. Um, but he got like an, an entire frame oh, yeah. like Galaxy Rust and then also hubs. Yep. Um, he, I don't. I believe he didn't buy the hubs, but he, or maybe he bought his hubs, hubs or galaxy and couldn't rust. Get a, okay, but he couldn't get a stem, so he had the stem done or something like that. Yeah, he has um, frame. It's crazy. Yeah, and then there were so many different, uh, different people doing stuff kind of like that, such as yourself. And I literally started screenshotting a lot of them, and I was like texting him the mat, like, "Hey, we need to do another run. We need to do another run. Let's do it." Yeah. He's like, all right. He's like, I'm going to take all these screenshots that you sent me. And he's like, I'm going to go have a meeting with Jim and we're going to see if we get another round rolling. So, yeah. And I'm trying to find my uh, my thumbnail from the video I made. There we go. Pull mine up on the screen because I was super proud of it. I feel like 
it, if you look at it and you put them side by side to the one you've got right there, it's like, oh, yeah. it's actually pretty close. Yeah. And for those of you, I don't know though, that maybe you're joining in and don't know what the galaxy rust is, but this is actually one of the, the prototype Well, you wouldn't even call it a prototype. It was really just a sample that we did with the anodizer. So I rode the samples, tested them for quite a long time, probably six, six, seven, eight months, maybe. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and everything held up as far as the anodizing went, you know, we didn't want to put something from a new anodizer out there that wasn't going to stand to the test of time. And uh, it worked out. So I actually sent this back to Matt. This was a blank hub, but now you can see it says profile racing on there and it says galaxy rust, like right up in here. Yep. Um, but I sent this back to Matt and he pressed it to a trophy stand for me. And it just says Anthony Napolitan galaxy rust. 2021 yeah that's so sick so a couple a little bit more information here uh yeah for bmx it is hub sets only there's yep. 80 sets of right hand drive mini that are going to be available 25 sets of left hand drive then 45 right hand drive sets of elite and 20 yep. left hand drive sets of elite so yep it's kind of crazy to think that, like, how many sets went out the first time? Do you know? You know what? I don't know, and that's probably something I should ask for Matt. Um, but when I was talking to Matt the other day, he was saying um, in his head he thought it was going to be even less than what it was. And then once he got everything back and started putting it into stock and figuring out what was going where, he was like, oh, wow, we actually have, like, a pretty decent size considering, uh, you know, what's going on in the industry. So, and the, and the reason I know that I've got a lot of messages too. a lot of people are like, Oh, if you bought a, you know, around the hubs the first time, do they get dibs on stems or sprockets or whatever? Unfortunately, this run has zero stems and zero sprockets. And the, uh, reasoning behind that is just materials are still super hard to come by. Uh, Profile has a lot of products that they're constantly doing, and they only uh, churn out hubs, I think, a couple times a week. And the Galaxy Rust stuff is so special because a lot of it's done in-house. Most of the hubs usually go out to a polisher, mm -hmm. and uh, they're polished and sent back to Profile, and then they send those out to the anodizer. Um, as to where Galaxy Rust is all done in-house, so they do in-house polishing on it. And that was kind of the mistake that we made the first time around with Galaxy Rust was we sent it out to the polisher. And at the time, all the COVID stuff was happening and a lot of stuff was delayed. So um, Matt wanted to go a more in-house route this time and do all the hand polishing uh, kind of himself, like right there at Profile Racing. Nice. But the materials for, you know, making hub stem sprockets, has still been a very difficult thing for profile to get a grasp back on. Um, so they're kind of just spreading out what they have as evenly as they can so that they can keep, you know, all the normal colors in stock. And just for kind of like the one-off colorway stuff, it makes, it's kind of just made things a little bit um, a limited run. Makes sense. Also, there are some elite mountain bike hubs in this run. Yes, which a lot of people didn't realize uh, we did the first time as well. Yeah. So they're definitely out there. Actually, I visited Epic BMX the other day, and Foo has actually a couple sets of the mountain bike stuff. 
Oh, wow. And then I guess he has some stuff in the back that he won't let anyone have, though, either. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, uh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it happen this time, but I might have to look into it. Uh, so with the mountain bike stuff, we've got, I believe this means single speed. There's 32 rears. Yes. Non-disc says 32 fronts. Yep. Then boost, there's 32 each of front and rear. And super boost, 32 rear. Yeah, so I can explain that a little bit too, because um, I don't know how many mountain bike guys we have in the, in I don't the video right now. <laughs> um, so single speed rear is going to be just like a normal, it's going to be a normal BMX hub with a disc, with a disc on it. So you put a disc brake. Um, these like single speed, 32 rear and non-disc 32 front are going to be hubs that would be used for like a dirt jumper build. So 26 inch wheelbase, basically a BMX bike, but just 26. Um, so most of them are done uh, non-disc 32 front because there's really not too many dirt jumper guys that run front brakes. So oh, yeah. they just kind of cut the loss with it and just did no uh, non-disc up front. Uh, boost 32 rears and burst boost 32 fronts are going to be like trail bike sizing. So usually, uh, mountain bikes that have a 150 millimeter width spacing for hubs, um, which that's a total mountain bike thing. I'm not going to go into too much detail with it because <laughs> okay. I'm sure the BMX guys don't care. <laughs> and then super boost is going to be made for downhill bikes. So basically it's 150 mil or wider. Well, gotcha. it's wider than 150 mil, so. Gotcha. And then, I, you know, I don't think Matt put them. Uh, actually, I won't even mention it. We'll see if we'll see. I don't want to. I don't want to stab myself in the foot or whatever. So. No worries. <laughs> uh, so some people are wondering uh, if you can buy them on their website this time. It looks like, from what I see, notes-wise, it's going to only be available through local shops. Yep, it's only going to be available through local shops. Yeah. In, in the first time around, we didn't have them. Uh, we didn't have them on the site either because they just got eaten up so quick by all the local shops. Uh, yeah. By all means, check for uh, mail orders because you know guys like Albies are going to have them. Um, you know, there's a lot of mail orders out there. I almost every bike shop now feels like a mail order. Am I am I correct? I so sort of yeah. Kind of feels that way, right? So. Yeah. But yeah, if you don't have a local bike shop that carries profile or has access to getting profile, uh, I would definitely call a mail order and see if you can snag them. There's people probably making phone calls right now. <laughs> like, Albies, why are you closed? <laughs> yeah, exactly. People text and flip, I need it. Uh, so then when it comes to international stuff, the notes here say the distros, they go through internationally profile Europe, elite cycle imports. That's Australia country bikes in Germany, ABP France, motocross international is Japan. Republica BMX is Colombia and snap is UK. Yep. Those are the spots. So if you guys are in those countries, that's where you're going to be able to get it. Yes. So now that we got all the info out of the way, I want to get the background on these things. Yeah, what, for sure. Like, where did that idea even come from? And is the final result that you have, like with the trophy thing, is that 
what you originally thought of or so the original idea of galaxy rust wasn't going to be galaxy it was just going to be like a rust looking colorway so i actually had all these samples of rusted things like rusted shovels pickaxes like all kinds of stuff. i was taking photos of that and i was thinking because at the time like they were doing a lot of stuff with uh i believe it was like hydro dipping where they were mm -hmm. like dipping the parts and getting getting like kind of whatever print you put on it yep um so i wanted to do something like that and then this was this was actually around i think was it around swamp fest time or no this is before like one of the first swamp fests because this project took forever to kind of develop it just especially with covid put it back like way put a big damper on it a lot of holding time it felt like we worked on the project for three years before we seen a sample you know yeah um so anyways it started off as like a patine like rust looking vision and then um as matt and i started to work on things a little bit we just started to kind of snowball into other ideas and he had come across an anodizer um that was doing multiple color anodizes like that kind of splatter effect and he was like hey what do you think about this stuff he's like let's send some samples out to him and uh, he's like pick three or four colors in the order that you want them and then we'll send samples out and see what they look like when they come back i was like all right cool so right before swamp fest happened um matt's like dude i got the samples they look so sick and i happened to be going to swamp fest that year so went down matt picked me up from the airport went over to profile checked the samples out and i was like dude these are so sick so then my mind just started rolling a little bit with that like i'm kind of a, a marvel like star wars disney nerd mm. and i was like man it looks like a like the hub just looks like a like an outer space galaxy like something crazy bright yeah and then i was like oh how about galaxy rust and matt's like dude i think that's perfect and then uh i started like I sent him artwork for like the Star Wars logo that always flashes before. And that's kind of the font that we use to, to laser etch into the hub and everything. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where all that came from. Dude, it literally, have you ever seen uh, Guardians of the Galaxy? Yeah, that's exactly. Nowhere. That's like, when I saw it, that was, yeah, that was the first thing that, uh, that I realized. I was like, this is like some Guardians of the Galaxy looking stuff. Literally, I just pulled a picture of the the whatever nowhere is I can't remember yes. in the movie, yeah, yeah. but it right. looks just like it. <laughs> That's <laughs> yeah. so funny. That's really cool. So it's cool to hear how it <clears throat> kind of developed. So like, <clears throat> did you just get the sample back with the first colors and you were just like, oh, that's it. And that's the hub thing that you have right there. Yeah, we knew it. Yeah, uh, actually, I don't know. I can't remember if this was one of the first samples. So sometimes when they sample stuff, they take um, like, you know, maybe some blemish parts or whatever. It's usually mm. parts that are laying around that they can't do anything with. Um, so I don't think that this was one of those. I believe like once we got the ball rolling um, and we knew what we wanted to do, he started pulling stock for it and getting everything that we wanted to have sent to the anodizer. And when they came back, he just automatic like like i said this didn't even have uh this didn't have any laser etching on it yet so he sent it to me like this no laser etching i built up the hubs 
and rode them for no joke, probably six to eight months. And that's how long it took for like the laser etching and everything to go down in house because it was during COVID times. And it was like the, the shop was just overhauled at that point. Mm -hmm. So it took a, it took a super long time to, to get like the actual, um, stuff that we were going to sell all finished and done and like ready to be put on the shelves, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> That's, it's a cool process to hear about. And did you think that it was going to instantly become like the most popular profile colorway ever? No, not at all. I was, I was super, you know, Matt actually had really good insight to it. He, when he first saw it, he was like, dude, this is going to be one of the best selling hubs ever at profile. And I'm like, yeah, right. Like whatever, dude. But at the same time, I was like, well, he know he knows better than anyone else, you know, mm -hmm. but I was, I was a little skeptical because like, I'm, I'm sure you saw like the, the bike hoarding article I did, like all of my bikes are crazy colors. So I just love, I love colors. I love messing with colors, color yeah. clashing, all, all the above. Um, so I was like, obviously super psyched on the way the hubs turned out, but I was very curious to see if it would be a thing for everyone else. Because a lot of times you go to a skate park and everyone has a black bike, you know? Yeah. So I was very curious and it just, yeah, it just caught, caught fire super quick. And before you knew it, like after 24 hours of them going live for bike shops to buy, they were like, gone and it was like an insane feeding frenzy i think even to this day you can try and look them up on i don't know like ebay or somewhere and people are trying to sell them for ridiculous pricing that's i'm not surprised because i was looking for them literally right when they were hitting bike shops for sale yeah. and i was finding them online for like it was somebody was asking on like bmx museum or something for like 700 bucks for the set and i was like wow already it yeah. hasn't even been a week. <laughs> yeah. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, it was definitely really uh it was really shocking to me. I was I was tripping on it. I was like, wow, this is nuts. And that was another reason too where I was like I was like, look, Matt, it's like a feeding frenzy. We need to do more. And he's like, I agree. So we got it rolling again. And this the, the second time around has has been uh much quicker than the first time. Uh especially since we didn't have to go through designing logos and and that whole thing like we already knew what we were going to do so i want to say matt and i started talking about it like mid-summer last year mm. and then kind of started to get the ball rolling uh in the fall so they literally just came back from um the anodizer like two weeks ago i think maybe three weeks ago gotcha. so they've just been in-house doing all the laser etching and getting them ready to to package up and ship out to wherever they're going gotcha yeah i just found the the post on bmx museum it was a mini hub set with a stem and it was asking 800 dollars, and it was sold so it was posted the 4th of november and sold the 6th of november wow <laughs> that's, that's insane <laughs> that's so crazy yeah so crazy so that's i mean it's probably gonna happen again yeah we'll see um i hope that it you know as long as people are psyched on it i hope that we could do a third and fourth and fifth run you know uh 
it's I told Matt I just want to keep pushing it until we actually get somewhere close to a full pool of production because obviously we're we're not getting any sprockets or stems in this round. I mean, in the first round we didn't do any sprockets at all. Yeah. And and Matt only had I run a 20 uh 28.9 on my BMX and Matt only had the ability to get me a 25 tooth like oh, the first wow. round. So I put it on my bike for a little bit and then eventually I was just like I can't gerbil around like this anymore. I get like, it. Yeah, so I ended up switching it up, but um yeah, I hope I hope one day uh we get a full full, we get more stems, more sprockets, and just the the full range of it that way um it's not so hectic for everyone. Yeah, it's pretty wild to think that there's more than likely after this run only going to be like less than 200 possible bikes that BMX bikes that right, these could yeah. be on. Yeah. It's pretty wild actually. And it's really cool. I've seen a couple sets in the wild too. So I get like really pumped to see it because I don't know where they're going. You know, mm -hmm. I was, I was telling people and I'll say it again too. Um, if you purchase a set and you get them all built up and on your bike, take some photos, post them on Instagram. I am more than happy to uh, repost them on my stories because I love seeing it. I want to support everyone that's going out there spending their hard earned money on on bike parts especially ones that have my name behind them and uh if you if you end up with a with a set fire it over on instagram i'll post it up absolutely and that just reminded me too there's another thing here uh you can see where some of these hubs are going in the u.s in profiles stories on their instagram <clears throat> oh for, oh yes that's right i remember matt doing that uh Last time they dropped, it was like, this one's going out to Empire. This one's going to Albies, like the whole deal. That's cool. Yeah. I'm stoked to see them. They're coming back. I'm even more stoked that we could friggin' announce it here. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, and again, it all just branched from me seeing you painting them and going through that process. And I was like, man, that's so crazy. I know it was probably like a year ago where we even talked about doing this right now. Yeah, so. literally. I forgot about it until you messaged me however long ago that was. And it was right. like, holy crap, he remembers that more than I do, and he's the one making it happen. <laughs> I was <laughs> yeah, stoked. I try to I try to keep notes and, and uh stay true to the promises, you know. So <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That whole process of painting them was super fun, though. I was kind of neurotic about it because I wanted it to be, <laughs> like, as close as humanly possible to the actual thing. And uh, I'm happy with it. So, I get. I mean, is there anything else to talk about with Galaxy Rust? Um, no, I want to say that's pretty much it. Um, you know, it just, remember, it's coming out the week of the 13th, so keep an eye on uh profile racing and their stories and their posts uh one other thing actually we are going to do a, a galaxy rust giveaway we're going to do a set of we haven't come up with a concept yet but we are going to do a set of mini hubs nice um, up for grabs so matt and i are still brainstorming some ideas for the giveaway but that is going to be a for sure thing we've got some set aside for the giveaway that is uh, completely separate from the numbers that we read off earlier. Awesome. That's really yeah. cool. So stay tuned everywhere that we've talked about and your local shop. If they got profile as a, uh, 
account and everything and maybe you'll be one of the lucky ones to get some yeah exactly just keep an eye on it and uh pester your local bike shops or mail orders <laughs> yeah <clears throat> uh so on that note i did want to ask i mean you did the unclick podcast it was a few months ago at this point but i did want to ask yeah. if since we're doing this post that if there's anything that came up after the fact or during it or anything like that that you wanted to follow up on mm, trying to think so i have to let almost like rewind in my brain and remember what we almost remember what we talked about on the unclick, unclick podcast yeah probably uh, no, I should I was, have you know you. i was i was really happy with how the podcast went um i actually got i was reached out to by such a variety of people after the podcast um just because i think bmx kind of mixing in a mountain bike is is happening more often uh than it used to you know mm -hmm. there's a lot of guys going out and buying mountain bikes and just having fun on all wheels um so i was like really taken back by that i was really i was really psyched that people enjoyed the podcast and they wanted to know more about mountain biking and just kind of reaching out to me directly about some of the stuff from it. So it was really good. I was really happy with how it turned out. That's awesome. So you, have you had more people that you've noticed starting to go from like doing just BMX to doing both? Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, I just came back from a, uh, just the other night, I came back from a bike fest in, in Sedona and, uh, I was out there and it was unreal. I ran into so many different BMX riders like Adam Banton rides B uh, mountain bikes now too. So I met up with him and his wife and hung out for a bit. And then I was like riding some random trails in Phoenix and I came across like three other BMX riders in the middle of nowhere. And uh, it was just really cool. So it's it's been awesome seeing, seeing people. And every time I see them too, they mention like the Unclick podcast and they're like, man, that's so sick. Like the way you just described riding all bikes, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, mm -hmm. the one dude, I forget what he said. He was like, he was like, yeah, it just, it just all clicked right there for me. You know, he was like, I like the way you explained it to people. I was like, well, cool. <laughs> Funny that it didn't unclick. <laughs> right. <yeah. laughs> no. Am I getting pretty dark out here? Should I turn a light on? Uh, if you have one, sure. Yeah, let me let me turn it on real quick. Send it. Oh, the ambiance has changed. There we go. Oh, that looks great, actually. I think the sun was gonna set that quick, so. Yeah, we're still uh, we're still not quite out into the springtime. So what exactly was this festival thing that you went to? Um, so there's a thing like in mountain biking, it's just called bike festival season. So it's really almost throughout the whole year. Uh, Sedona kind of kicks it off though. Basically it's like, I don't want to say it's like inner bike because obviously inner bike is a mix of like all cycling yeah. in, under one roof as to where these little like, micro festivals are just mountain bike brands so all the brands go out to wherever the location is they set up tents their booths whatever it is some festivals they can sell products some festivals just display um and then sometimes there's races that are built into the festivals um sometimes it's just going out there with a bunch of friends and and riding everything that's out there you know mm. um but there's quite a few uh just did Sedona 
There's one in end of March uh, out near Virgin, Utah, called uh, Hurricane Bike Festival that I might be going to. I'm sure you've heard of Bentonville, Arkansas before. I was going to ask about that one. Yeah, they do a big one in Bentonville that I'll be back out at. Um, so there's there's a ton of them. I hit oh, and there's Sea Otter too. Sea Otter is like the big one. That's like the one that all the brands go to, yeah. and like the booths are super expensive, and they do a downhill race, like cross country race, dual slalom race. So I usually do the dual slalom race when I'm there, and then uh, it's just yeah, it's a wild wild week at uh, Sea Otter. I've heard yeah, about that one. Yeah, it's really good. I mean, Sea Otter's been around forever. Like, there's older BMX dudes that used to do shows at Sea Otter, like, during it. So, mm. there's, it's always been kind of, like, an entertain... There's always been an entertainment aspect to Sea Otter, uh, along with, you know, the brands getting out there and debuting new product or whatever it is. I gotcha. I, I want to make sure we remember to talk about if BMX could do something like this, but first I want to talk about dual slalom because okay, dual yeah. slalom is crazy. How do you, are you like, are you good? I, I mean, I'm all right. Uh, the first time I went to Sea Otter, I qualified in the finals, which I was pretty surprised Damn. on because I don't, I don't come from a racing background. Yeah. Um, racing is very unknown to me. I, when I started riding bmx i was like riding flatland and riding street and riding dirt and riding ramps like i never ever raced mm -hmm. it just you know the closest track was akron and like right yeah when i found out about bmx all my friends were just doing freestyle so um racing is very new and and mountain biking is like you know pretty heavily race-based as well like the I rode a, a downhill event that was like my first time ever racing and I just rode expert and I got third place I believe or second place and then um, I qualified for a handful of dual slalom events like straight acres and sea otter um, but it is so much fun honestly it, and it's cool for me because like I'm not overly competitive about it I'm literally just out there to have fun and just race people mm -hmm. um, so there's no stress for me. Uh, it's just a really fun event. And honestly, you learn so much too. Like you further your skills and everything, even during the whole event, because it's just such a different like version of riding bikes, you know? Oh yeah. It's, I feel like dual slalom is where I'll break my leg if I try <laughs> because I'm horrible with that kind of stuff where well, like, oh, yeah. I, I got I got really into it, into the dual slalom racing, because there's there's a lot of dual slalom races throughout the year. Yeah. And like I first started on this like small travel. It's called the YT Izzo. It's like 130 millimeters of travel. And that's kind of on like an aggressive cut, like cross country style bike. Mm -hmm. And it's full suspension and everything. But um, it's like I, it's like stock a 29 wheelbase and. And it's just kind of like not set up for dual slalom, but it was the closest thing that I could get that I could make work. Yeah. And after the first year of riding on it, I was like super pumped and I went all in on the bike, like completely gutted it, like re did new suspension on it all, dropped the wheels down to 27. I had like a 12 speed um, cassette on it. So now I have a seven speed cassette on it. So it is like super light, super agile. And it's like a, it's a dual slalom machine now. Like you, if people saw like the way it looked and then the way it looks now, they'd be like, that's 
that's not even the same bike. That's not even the same frame, you know? Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I turned the Izzo into like a full on dual slalom rig and it's super fun. So I just realized we've gotten this deep into dual slalom conversation and there's a lot of people who probably have no idea what dual True. slalom is. Yeah. So maybe we should <laughs> just define that for them. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So dual slalom is a, is a head to head downhill race. Uh, the course mirror, well, I don't want to say it mirrors itself, but it, it is side it by mirrors. Yeah. It's side by side the whole time. So if the, if it, if the left lane firms to the left, so does the right lane. So it is a identical track side by side down the hill. And basically the person with the best time wins. So the way it works is you do two races, uh, for like your head to head. So if I'm racing you, Brant, we're, both going to race twice i'm going to race in the left lane and Mm. then in the right lane and you're going to do the same and basically whoever has um the less amount of times moves to the next bracket because that would make you the fastest of the two um of the two lanes so that's basically what dual slalom is and it's and it's uh set up in a in a bracket sense since it's head to head so you just have to keep winning and winning until you know, you get to the final or get to the top three or whatever, you know? Yeah. That's, it's seems like a super cool thing. Um, there's a dude local here who got super into dual slalom and I don't know if you would have ever heard of it or not, but he was the one who was holding the chili cook off at Ray's, but he had this pump track in his backyard and he would do an event there every year. And then find he ended up having to sell his house and stuff. So they, yeah. he worked super close with this Medina or something like that to build like something. And they built kind of like a dual slalom course at this, uh, park bike park thing in Medina. And they've yeah. also got a jump line there. So like anybody can go and try this course. Yeah. Um, cool. I'm trying to, I'm trying to remember the name of the bike park because I went there. Jay Lloyd took me there. It's kind of where, you know who Tommy Zola is. Tommy mm. Zola is like, lives in that area too. I believe. Oh, you went to the one in Medina. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, let me I just, just can't look remember it up the name quick. of it. I bet if Jay's watching, he's probably commenting in the comments. Like, it's uh, <laughs> Austin Badger park. Uh, man, that does that actually doesn't sound like the name. It might be a different place, but either way, Austin Badger is in Medina and that's the one that they built like this course thing on. I got there's some videos on my channel of it, like the building process and some stuff. Gotcha. Like gotcha. But it has the dual slalom set up and every year they do a jam and yeah. they have a dual slalom event with different age brackets and it's really cool. That's awesome. Yeah, that's super cool. I'd say it's fun, but I know that I'll break my leg if I try to do it. <laughs> like, nah. You'd be all right. It's it's really fun. The cool thing is like you can take it in baby steps, you know. Like yeah, I'll do that. I was, yeah, I was kind of able to to jump into it just because of, like obviously my BMX background gives me a lot of control on on a bike, mm-hmm. and uh, I ride when I'm home in California. I ride a lot of single track, which is basically climbing up a mountain and bombing down it. So, <laughs> um. But I ride a lot of single tracks, so it kind of helps with, with like the dual slalom skill. Yeah, it, it just seems like a really cool and fun event. But uh, how'd the Sedona thing go? Yes, uh, it was a little crazy. It snowed really bad. So, I saw your story. I was curious. Yeah, so we ended up, uh, I have like a group of friends that we kind of just all, we're all live in different parts of the country, like 
one one of them lives in does like the van life thing one lives in boise a couple of them live in colorado and we all try to just meet up at these festivals or events or whatever um so we ended up like the whole crew ended up going down to phoenix for a whole day and riding down there because of snow it was just snowy like it was cold up there in sedona um but they did do like kind of two days of the bike festival um the the first day like a lot of a lot of the reasons they like these bike festivals is because the brands can bring their demo fleets in and the consumer can get on the bike and they can ride it and if they don't like the large they can try the medium or whatever you know right something Um, you normally can't do in a local area because shops just can't bring in a whole fleet of bikes from one company exactly and and by going to the festivals too if you're a consumer and you're looking to get a new bike or you want to try new bikes there's like 10 brands that usually have a demo fleet there so you could ride all 10 in a in a weekend you know yep um so they weren't doing a lot of the demos because uh it was so such bad weather so but uh by the third day which was sunday uh, they were doing shuttles and, and stuff like that. So the trail conditions did get better and it did dry out. Um, but yeah, it wasn't like the full kind of four or five days of riding how it usually is. Yeah. Well, but it was she, still fun. You should got to go to Phoenix and have a good time. Yeah. Everyone hung out. Everyone partied. Everyone rode a little bit. So it was cool. Actually, I was, uh, I wish I had brought my BMX bike because I forgot where the, where the festival is, there's actually a cement park there. Oh. And, and it's pretty cool. But um, ended up, uh, like, my team, one of my team managers for YT used to be the old DC skate team manager. Mm. And one of his dudes that, like, skates for DC was up there. And uh, we did, like, a little under-over, like, video and photo uh, when we were up there. But I was on my, like, 150-millimeter travel bike with, like, 20 psi in the tires (laughs) and i'm like trying to go as fast as i can to drop into this bowl and hit this hip and i can feel the tires folding up oh yeah and i'm like oh man this is gnarly like i definitely felt it's like you know when like i could show i feel like i show up at that park and be like oh man i want to do this this and this on that hip or that quarter or this transfer or whatever you have like a pretty good idea and you know like you're gonna have fun shredding the park but i was like on my mountain bike in a cement park and i was like <laughs> terrified yeah. i was like i don't know what i'm gonna do on this big bike like yeah <laughs> but we made it work we shot like a cool photo and a cool video out of it and, and uh yeah it was awesome that's pretty funny I, I yeah know but that it, it was it was funny though because nobody could ride the trails there were so many mountain bikers going into the skate park trying like <laughs> they walked in and they, they like look around they're like nah this isn't for me or like you'd see a couple dudes come in and they were like, oh, okay, he's like hitting the hip or doing this or doing that, you know? They didn't so want to like be kind of funny. Uh, they didn't want to be a Kurt Voorhees and take yeah. that full travel bike and dude, that guy, he was one eightying the spine at Ray's. He was trying to half cab the spine at Ray's on his full suspension bike. Dude, he's the best. I was actually just hanging out with Kurt Voorhees uh, last month. We were like kept driving out to this free ride spot that's uh like near redlands it's like an hour and a half away from me here at the beach but um we had good weather and we were out there digging a bunch and there are some big things out there i was like working on this lift that was probably 12 feet tall for two days 
Yeah. So for two days, we kind of fixed it up and, and made it awesome. It's just this like you literally roll down the face of a mountain. You cross this fire road and then there's a 12 foot tall lift in front of you. It's like the roll in is two times the size of what a mega ramp roll in is. Jeez. And you're going, I don't think I've ever gone that fast. Like when I, when you, when I got at the bottom, it was just like everything was blurred in my peripherals, you know? Oh my gosh. Um, but yeah, he's dude, Kurt's awesome. And I, I enjoy riding with him and he should be in town for a little bit longer too. So once I, once I get back from Brazil, try and go back out to the free ride spots and hang with him and do some filming. Yeah. And for anybody who doesn't know by name who we're talking about, if you've ever seen somebody do a curved curb ride on a recumbent bike or <laughs> what is that? A nose manual or something riding wheelies on one of those things. Yeah. Just... He's nuts. He has all these crazy contraptions and he's, a, he started in BMX too. And then, moved into mountain biking and now he has this like crazy recumbent bike that he does curve walls on literally like, it's crazy. he is he is one of the most creative riders and in fact he when we were out at that free ride spot he was like the lip of that 12 foot tall lip is literally like etched out of the face of a mountain mm -hmm. so above the lip there's like kind of still part of the mountain that yeah. goes down and gets cut off and he scraped out like a sub box above the lip not surprised and like yeah, and like went up and did did like bar spin a tail tap and back into the big lift, and it was like the craziest thing I ever seen. Well, like I mean, he'll go up to Big Bear and fly out and do like like wall slaps on big trees out of like big landings and stuff. He but, literally just posted a DJ wall slap on a light post out of a quarter pipe. Yeah, just, that was his last Instagram post. It's like the dude can do it all. Yeah, he's super rad. So. Yeah, shout out to that guy. I met him at Ray's, and he was just awesome. And um, yeah, he just has like the best attitude, and all he wants to do is have fun on bikes and like almost kind of see what's possible on bikes too. Dude, you know? did you see the uh, the hell, where he was trying to grind a rail on whatever bike that was? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> just eating <He's> it, <laughs> <laughs> eating it every single time. It's like somebody just said, yeah, he's not young either. No, yeah, he's like he's in his 50s maybe or maybe he's late 40s Dude. he's not young he sends it though he loves it yeah. he just loves it the one time when he was trying to cab the spine at Ray's he got caught up and just ejected straight backwards into the spine like it was like you dropped a sack of potatoes but you went he was going like laterally through the air and just hit the spine and it was like that would have taken out any 25 year old and he just kept trying totally yeah it's it's pretty wild he's i'm i'm just so glad when he did when he did this like sub box maneuver the other week that he pulled it like he pulled it third try and like one of them he almost didn't get out very well but he did and i'm just happy he pulled it because i didn't want to have to like scrape him off the ground and like throw him over my shoulder and get him like <laughs> 10 10 miles out of this zone that we we're in no doubt uh but yeah shout out to kurt so originally a minute before i started talking about all this stuff i, I was kind of curious because you've done i'm sure you've been to interbike and you've mm -hmm. you've been to all these mountain bike festival things like do you think it's possible for bmx to do something like that yeah absolutely i just think it's like i mean 
obviously like the mountain bike world is in a more like expensive bracket of consumer, right? Right. Just bikes. Some bikes are 20 grand. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like they get expensive. Um, I think it's totally possible. It's, I think in my opinion, it's just like the industry getting together and saying, all right, let's do it again. You know, cause yeah. forever it was like interbike and that was the deal. Yeah. And even when they took, they started kind of doing interbike esque stuff at like Texas toast or whatever, like that was kind of a step in the right direction, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it would just be more dif- more difficult for them to get together and figure out the purpose of it. Because like I said, like mountain biking, the purpose of, the festivals is to get your demos out there, get yeah. your product out there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and they can travel to all of these. I don't want to say like exotic locations, but really beautiful locations like the middle of Sedona, Arizona, or, you know, Bentonville, Arkansas, or like out in Utah somewhere, you know what I mean? Um, and these consumers can get out and ride the bikes on everything that's out there. Yeah. So, and I don't really see BMX doing demo fleets for stuff. I don't think it's a... We don't a, need I don't, it. I don't, I don't, yeah, you don't need it. Yeah. Right. So it'd really just be if that would be something that they would want to do and what would the reason be, you know? Yeah. Of course, I'm, anything's possible. I just don't know if it would be necessary, you know? Yeah, I guess it would be hard to kind of justify it the same way. I mean, Swamp Fest, yeah, there's a few different companies there, but they're not they're there just to be there and they have like the booth and some shirts yeah. and stuff for sale, but it's not, it's not like out of the utility of people at Swamp Fest getting to ride something or. Right. Exactly. And yeah. with the internet, you know, you don't exactly have to do the whole inner bike. All right, here we are at inner bike 20, 2011, whatever. And yeah. here's our new, set of hubs for this year like you don't have to do that with having someone like vital or wherever cover it anymore because profile can just make that video they don't have yeah exactly yeah and you know there's different like i guess there's different ways that companies could make it worth it like for instance i i ride for yoshimira cycling and they make pedals yeah and i run them on my bmx i run them on my mountain bike i run them on all the bikes um but like even in Sedona, they do pedal demos. Mm. So like they're expensive pedals, you know, they're $200 pedals. So like a consumer is like, Oh, do I want to spend $200 and not, and maybe not like them or love them or whatever. So it's like they set up the booth and they do pedal demos. People go ride them and they're either stoked on them and buy a set or, or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, it, I guess it it could make sense in some ways in BMX, but, um, it's just a different consumer, you know? Yeah. I think it would take the right person with the right vision to make something like that happen. Yeah, absolutely. Could be possible though. Yeah. I mean, technically like Metro jam back in the day was kind of like a mini inner bike. You know what I mean? Like they had the brands and booths and stuff like that. Um, so it, at some point in, in BMX, like it kind of was there, you know? Yeah, it'd probably have to be combined with an event like that for people to yeah. really make it make sense. Yeah, I think they used to combine uh, Metro with, like, the Toronto Bike Show or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. I think okay. that's what it was called. <laughs> so. so. Whoever's listening that needed that seed planted, you're welcome. And I can't wait to go to your <laughs> event. <laughs>
<laughs> but like talking about mountain bikes and BMX and stuff, you ride both, so you know. Like the mountain bike tech just seems to be ages and ages ahead of BMX, and like I don't know if there's a reason for that. If it's because BMX doesn't need that tech, like what do you think when you go from super crazy mountain bike to simplest bike that you own? Uh, there's definitely a learning curve when it comes to learning about mountain bike stuff. Uh, you know, there's suspension and oils and hydraulic brake cable fluid and like all kinds of stuff. And they make 70 different bearings for headsets and bottom brackets. Right. Like in BMX, there's three or whatever, yeah. you know, not even so, anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think everyone pretty much uses mid for the most part. Pretty close. Um, so there's definitely a lot more that goes into it. Um, it's, uh, I think just BMX bikes are simple, man. It's a simple machine. It doesn't have mm -hmm. to be overthought. Uh, definitely like the, I think the reason in mountain biking, why it is the way it is, is it is, uh, projected to a different kind of consumer. And that consumer is the same people that buy brand new cars every year Yeah. or, or, uh, invest in real estate constantly they want the latest and greatest this and that so in mountain biking it's like a lot of bike companies are just finding different ways to advance the technology and make things really interesting in that aspect um as to where bmx is just simple like you don't need it it's i mean there's still some really amazing design stuff that's coming out in bmx but it's kind of like one of those scenarios where you don't necessarily have to reinvent the wheel, right? Yeah, I feel like there's just something beautiful about the BMX bike being just as simple as it can possibly be. Absolutely. Yeah. And, I mean, yeah, there's been some things that have come out in recent years. Like, have you heard about the planetary free coaster stuff at all? I've heard a little bit about it, but I'm not a free coaster guy either, so I didn't dig too deep into it. It's freaking wild, dude. Do you know anything yeah. about planetary gearing? No, not at all. It's just nuts. So there's like, you've got your outer thing that has teeth on the inside of it. Mm -hmm. Then you've got a cog in the middle with teeth on the outside. And then you have floating gears in there. And that, whatever combination of those things, allow the center to rotate without rotating, without the outside rotating. And, yeah, and that technology allows. I have one right here. It's a planetary. Wow. I mean, it's just a hub. You can. It just looks like a hub, but you can. It literally allows the hub to be a free coaster and a cassette at the same time. In that, the yeah. momentum from your hub, your wheel spinning forward to your wheel spinning backwards, disengages the pause and turns it into a free coaster instantly. Crazy. So there's that just technology, craziness. but right, yeah. that's just like, it's literally like not much bigger around than a quarter and yeah. only like a half inch thick of a clutch mechanism that goes into a hub that is just a normal BMX hub. So I don't know, there's things like that, you know, a couple companies like Alienations had carbon rims for a few years now and right yeah the claw made their carbon rims but like do you see anything else from the mountain bike world even making sense to transfer over yeah i mean i i'm very curious about carbon rims for 
BMX, especially because I'm I I'm a dirt jumper. I'm not going to go out and ride street and bash them up really. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm I'm definitely really excited to to try out a set of carbon rims at some point. Um, the there's this other company that's kind of in mountain biking called Bird Spokes, and they're yeah. literally like nylon spokes, and I run them on my mountain bikes, and I love them. And actually, Barry Nobles did like a video on his YouTube that is a like a race a BMX racing wheel set that he built up with I believe it was a carbon rim and the bird spokes. Yeah. So this, the bird spokes are kind of designed to um, like suck up all like if I'm ripping down a rock garden, if I have a wheel set that's built up with like an aluminum rim and and steel spokes, like it's going to feel more rigid. Oh yeah. That makes sense. So the, so the bird spokes allow some flex kind of like how a carbon rim is to an aluminum rim. Mm -hmm. So these bird spokes allow the bike to basically just soak up the energy. Like there are like rock gardens that I'd ride every morning on my mountain bike and I blast through them and my, I, I have bouncy eye, you know what I mean? Until I get out of it. And then once I got those wheels, it was like, everything was in perspective, no bouncy eye, like all the energy was going somewhere else, you know? Um, So there's stuff like that, like Barry's kind of mess with that. I'm really, I'm not going to lie. And I'm a gyro guy. And it's, it's when I do have the opportunity to do this, I'm going to, I don't know what I'm going to do really, but I really want disc brakes on Mm. my, on my BMS. Like I just like the way they feel like I like how they break and, uh, they don't make any noise either. So, <laughs> oh yeah, I'm like at this phase right now where I can't get my brakes to stop honking, and I don't know if it's the season <laughs> we're in or whatever, but I'm over it. So, Humidity helps with that. Or yeah, it makes so, it squeak more rather. Yeah, I'm definitely interested in getting uh, disc brakes on my bike, and actually, Profile makes like a little attachment that you can put on the Elite Hub, and it can. Uh, it's basically a bracket that goes on the outside of the hub and you just put it right on your bike and it's a, an adapter to mount like a, a caliper on. Nice. So they make like a caliper bracket, which is pretty cool. So if I wanted to, I would just have to like lace up a, um, like an elite hub with, with a disc mount and then yeah. add that adapter and I'd be all set for disc brakes on the BMX. And then do that with a gyro. Yeah. Ah. Uh, I'd probably just run a straight cable unless I could get my hands on like a hydro gyro. Yeah. You you wouldn't want to do the single to double. You wouldn't want to use cables. No, I mean, I could, I know I could make it feel good because I've had brakes my whole life. And that's kind of like my deal is making my gyro brakes feel amazing. Um, But I just, I just like the consistency and, and how a hydro brake feels. Oh, I mean, I get it. It's like, it's like going to sealed pedals and then trying to go to unsealed pedals again. It's yeah. just hard to do if you notice how nice it feels. Right. I mean, and realistically, like on a super, super good day, like the most I'm going to do is like a triple whip, right? So mm-hmm. I think if I do the math on a contest run, especially we're not having contests where there's like six or seven jumps anymore, you know? Yeah. So I think if I did the math, like max, I'd need maybe three enough cable length to do like three revolutions you know mm-hmm. what i mean or plan runs out kind of how doyle does where it's like 
uh, you know, do a tail whip and then you double truck back and you're, you know what I mean? So just something like that. And the hydraulic cables, I feel like I've seen people have those coiled up like a lot more than oh, a yeah. normal cable. Yeah, my my YT Deer Jumper is I have I had three revolutions on it, I think. So, okay. yeah. Huh. You just reminded me. I uh, I actually talked with those bird, the bird spokespeople. Oh, did you? Like yeah, a year ago, and I just didn't have a spare wheel set that I could send them to lace up for me. Cause I was yeah. like, I can just do it. And they're like, well, listen, if you do it, you're going to have to let them sit for three days and do it's this a three crazy. day process. Yeah. But they're yeah. like, if you send us the wheels, we can turn it around and have them back to you in a weekend. And I just didn't have it. So I need to hold on. Remind me tomorrow to email birds folks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a crazy build process. They, it takes three days to build a wheel set. They build the set, put tension on them. The spokes like, cure basically over these three days and day two they add more tension day three they add the last bit of tension and then they're done yeah it's pretty wild i'm gonna try them out if hopefully they'll still want to do it i mean shout out to bird spokes please still want to do it (laughs) and check and check out barry noble's video he made like a youtube on his channel building the bird spokes and putting them on on the bmx and whatnot yeah. And this is when he had some jumps in his backyard too, like maybe version one or two of his backyard. Mm-hmm. And he was putting like GoPros on the rear triangle and, and showing how the wheel reacted with freestyle tricks. And like, he did a pretty good job of it. That's sweet. So I want to do like the, the skate park, you know, I'm doing ice picks on a sub. <laughs> I want to see what that looks like. And yeah, yeah. And all that kind of, and like a that Fufu new, cool. imagine yeah, a Fufu cool. new with suspension, <laughs> you know, like, that would be pretty wild yeah hopefully we can find that out but so i mean that so there is some ways and areas that bmx can you know progress tech wise it seems like yeah i mean if that's yeah i mean there's obviously we know there's a handful of companies that have been very tech progressive like i feel odyssey's one of them fly bikes is one of them Mm -hmm. um you know there's so many brands that have uh really original ideas but um you know it just i guess it really just depends like you know what brand stands for that and if that's their mo to do it then that's it you know yeah do you have you ever saw like the I think stranger did it first the normal upper bearing but bigger lower bearing on the oh frame. yeah yeah I, right i just never really caught on yeah and that's like a pretty common thing in mountain biking right a lot of djs yeah. have that mm-hmm. yeah um, mostly mostly all the bikes have like bigger bigger low and bottom uh sorry bigger lower headset uh bearings as opposed to upper yeah i don't know it just didn't really catch on i saw that i think we the people did it too but then i don't know i haven't heard anything about it since and that was years ago right yeah yeah i mean we'll see like you know the the fingers cross bikes are out there now you know Mm -hmm. so it's kind of like a tiny tiny little mountain bike you know right so maybe maybe a brand like fingers cross will want to bring a little bit more mountain bike technology over you know they are with the suspension and everything obviously they're just kind of trial and erring everything mm-hmm. do you think and I... go ahead no go ahead i was just gonna ask if you thought that 
carbon frames whatever come over i know they're in racing yeah they're in race i don't know i could see someone that's like super worried about weight maybe wanting to try a carbon frame i don't know it's just you know the only thing that's that's bad about carbon is like if you if you break the surface it becomes very unstable you know Mm -hmm. and bmx bikes are built around durability yeah you know like you look at a guy that rides street every day and his bike is pretty thrash looking, you know? Yeah. So no doubt it's not going to work for a street rider. Exactly. And I, that's exactly why BMX racing has adapted it because like you see what they do in racing. It's like they hit the gate and they're just pedaling as fast as they can Mm -hmm. and clearing the jumps. They're not, you know, purposely wrecking into each other or like having to bail and like watch their bike bounce down the road, you know? Right. So I just feel like BMX has taken this long to get to like a lot of bikes look similar because we kind of figured out what works at this point. Right. Yeah. And so I think it'll probably take a little bit more time before we start to see like crazy attempts at leaping forward in tech. Totally. Yeah. I think BMX is in a great spot though. I'm really, I'm really proud of how far the bikes have come even from from when i grew up and started riding to now it's like they've they've jumped light years you know oh yeah and same with mountain biking like part of the i used to like go to red bull elevation or like queenstown new zealand and those are like big mountain towns and i'd always go on a trip there and rent a downhill bike and go ride Mm -hmm. but like not until like 2018 i was like always felt like i was gonna die on that rental bike you know, because it <laughs> yeah. was so janky and clanky and like it made crazy noises that I wasn't used to, you know, as to where now, like all the cables are internally routed and like the bikes barely make any noise and like suspension works the way it should be. And they found out all these different ways to mount it to disperse energy. And it's like now the bike I look at, it, I'm like, I trust that bike, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's it's funny that BMX did that exact same thing, except it went like overkill, then underkill. Now we kind of evened our way out and kind of got figured out a little bit. That's that's very true. I guess I never looked at it like that before. Yeah, I was like, I remember, I remember that era of just getting things as light as humanly possible, and then seeing people break stuff all the time. Oh yeah. I mean, my, my Schwinn growing up was like a 50 pound bike, you know? (laughs) Yeah. You're, you're one of those guys who's like right in the right time period where you experienced the heavy bikes right at the beginning. And then, Oh yeah. And then you've been there the whole entire time. I had like a Schwinn Powermatic with like super heavy black mags on it. And the forks were like 990 front brakes that were mounted and the pegs weren't even mounted on the axle they were mounted on a peg box Uh uh-huh so like that thing was a tank oh yeah (laughs) big like big heavy four-piece bars like pretty much like an unseen seen like aluminum block for a stem you know (laughs) somebody just had (laughs) at ray's that uh one of the kids that works there has a old dk that has one Mm. of those block stems on it oh yeah i was just looking at it made a comment like Somebody back in the day designed that and was like, hell yeah. <laughs> the kneecap killer. <laughs> it's too funny. Insane. What do you, when it comes to like your BMX bike, 
do you have are you crazy about weight at all or you, is it just normal i went through a phase when i lived out at woodward from um 2005 until 2012 it was a bit of a weight weenie uh me and daniel dares were like riding together all the time and he like barely had any meat on his bones back then you know so mm-hmm. he was trying to get his bike as, as light as possible so he could like learn all these new tricks and maneuver the bike and whatever yeah um so we often were like <laughs> looking like on the albies website and like looking up the weights and like looking up dimensions like doing that kind of bmx nerd stuff and that that was the point where i was like very light bike um but then i realized the certain things that i liked about light bikes so like still to this day i build up super light wheel sets it's mm-hmm. like profile hubs rainbow tie spokes alloy nipples and usually like somewhat decently right now i have like the sun uh sun envy rims front and rear yeah so um it's a pretty light wheel set like super light i like that because rotational spin tail whips bar spin the whole deal mm-hmm. um and then everything else like i feel like a lot of frames kind of like at least the frames that i'm looking at are all generally in the same weight so pretty trail close. style frame like decent long like rear end on the bike like lengthwise um they're all pretty light so i don't feel like i don't have much control over that anyways you know unless i would get like a custom bike built or something but yeah for the most part like my wheel set is probably the thing that i that i take into consideration the most um i run the column cranks which are a bigger crank from profile um but i run the tie spindle and the tie bolts that go with it all the drivers and bolts and the hubs are tie um don't think i have anything else that's titanium i run a decent or actually i run the i run an odyssey chain that bluebird chain i yeah. really like it it's like the ha- has like the half link in it mm-hmm. um so yeah it's i used to run a shadow chain like the like not like the really big one but like the half link that was heavy mm-hmm. and it never really bothered me you know yeah so I don't get too crazy about it now. Like I pretty much know what I need out of my BMX bike and what I want and how I want it to feel. And I feel like I'm falling into that. Like, like when you pass into this like older generation of rider and you're like, you see where like BMX bikes are now, maybe like a lower scooter ish geometry or whatever. (laughs) I'm like, no, I don't want that. I know what I want. You know, I've fallen into that like old man particular stuff now. (laughs) That's pretty funny. Uh, are you riding off the shelf colony frame um yeah i have the colony blaster yeah nice so it's if i needed a new one i would just call them and be like hey send me another blaster it's nothing nothing special or custom about it cool that's sweet yeah that's pretty sweet if uh if you come to ohio anytime this summer we should meet up and i can do a bike check with you yeah for sure yeah i love a good bike check on the bmx it pretty much stays the same for every bike check just the colors change it looks cooler sometimes (laughs) well that's kind of the theme with bmx is once you find what you like and what works you just kind of stick with it yeah absolutely and i'm super stoked on like the the bike that i'm riding right now just the i can't it's like kind of a metallic like purple looking color and then it has all the galaxy rust stuff and it just all goes together really well so i'm really digging this color uh, I'm probably going to keep it for a while longer too. I just like the way it looks. Nice. Yeah. Did you ever, uh, damn it. What was, I lost. Oh yeah. 
like so growing up did you ever experiment with geometry to get to where you're at or does it just kind of happen yeah like when i got on hoffman bikes um that was when bike companies were starting to do the zebra head tube angle Mm. with like the 75 degree head tube angle um so i definitely like just kind of went right into that at that point in my career i was like not really a big geometry person yeah so it was like if i did switch like because i went from riding a fly to riding a hoffman and it was like similar but pretty different it definitely took me like a solid day to just get used to it you know um but yeah now it's like i like to stick with that like 74 and a half head tube angle i could totally ride a 75 but it just it feels too, a little twitchy you know you go like, fast I don't, enough. I don't like that yeah you i don't like it. that twitchy thing yeah exactly when i was riding competing at mega ramp constantly too like i knew 74 and a half was kind of the way just for how fast you're going too right so i've been on the 74 and a half forever i think i don't know what Dennis Anderson's version of uh, the first version of the Haro was. I don't know if it was 75 or if it was 74 and a half, but if it was 75, that was probably the last 75 degree head tube angle bike I rode was like the Haro. And if it wasn't that, then it was the Hoffman's from back in the day. So, yeah, I like we were saying earlier about how you kind of went through the different iterations of BMX evolving with frame stuff. It was like, there's a certain point in time where people just didn't even think about frame geometry. They just, it was, you rode this brand's frame or you rode that brand's frame. Yeah. And, and maybe the top tube was different, but that was, that was kind of it. Totally. I'm trying to remember. I had, I can't remember what bike I was on at the time, but I won like a, my first, the first contest I ever entered on my BMX was at section eight. And I entered like the, the class under pro mm-hmm. well i don't know if it was expert or what it was but i ended up winning like a standard uh like a standard trails 250 it was like the crit it's like what was the metal it was like trails 250r or something okay. it was like a super the metal was different it wasn't like from okay but um that was like granted where i was going with this was I was just like, I won that bike and didn't even care. It was like, cool, I'm building this bike. Uh-huh. I don't know what geo it is. I don't know how heavy or light it is. Like, this is a new bike and I'm riding it, you know? Yep. Yeah, these oh. days it's totally different. BMX has specialized itself into there's frames for people like you who go really oh, fast yeah. and go really high. And there's frames for people who are doing crazy technical stuff on a rail and they're completely different. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's really crazy <laughs> how it's all come so far. And it's <clears throat> it's all very specific, too. So, But that's cool. That's, that's really awesome. Yeah, oh, for sure. It's awesome to see it progress like that. I mean, the, I ride a geometry that is as close to the center as what you can get these days because yeah. I just want to be able to hit anything and be comfortable. But it's cool that you can specialize like that. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, BMX has its little things, you know? It's perfect. I think it's right where it needs to be. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, so when you're at home, what what does your day-to-day riding look like between being that you – I mean, you ride for several different BMX and mountain bike companies. So, like, what mm-hmm. does normal life look like for you riding-wise? 
in a perfect world and it obviously it isn't always perfect uh usually i'm a pretty early riser so usually i'll be on my trail bike my mountain bike like 7 a.m riding a trail for a couple hours mm-hmm. uh, a lot of friends that i have that work in the industry like to get on the, a bike ride like before they go into the office or whatever so usually meet up with them and get some riding in um and then i'll kind of go up throughout the rest of the day just doing stuff mm-hmm. so it's like if i have tasks that i need done chores create creating content editing content i'm sure you know all all about that um and I just kind of fill my time until it's time to ride BMX. Mm. So uh, usually it's like riding in the evening unless like I'm going to hit a skate park, which honestly is kind of rare. Like I, there's not, I don't really have that many skate parks that I actually enjoy out here besides the Fulcrum Park. Um, but usually I'm riding the trails. So it's like kind of waiting for the sunset so we can throw water down and and it actually means something, and then getting a session in for a couple hours before the sun goes down. Yeah, I gotcha. Yeah. How so you... that's just like a normal, normal kind of day at home, I guess. Yeah. How are you managing all these different like things that you have to make stuff for to promote? Is this, are you are you organized with that, or are you just doing it? No, I'm I'm pretty organized with it, and sometimes it gets away from me. Like it's hard to be 100% on it all the time with everything that you need to do for every brand. But um, I think the thing that helps a lot with me is I've been able to um, stick with brands that are kind of in both worlds. Mm, so yeah. it's like for profile, it's easy because I've run the same wheels on my BMX as my mountain bike. You know. Yeah. Um, I ride for 510, so it's like same. I ride their shoes on my BMX, I ride their shoes on my mountain bike. Yeah. Um, Yoshimira makes pedals, I run pedals on everything, ODI grips. So it's kind of, I've just tried to align myself with companies, um, that make product in both worlds, yeah, and it's made it a lot easier for sure. And then I kind of just break down the other stuff. Like, obviously, like, YT doesn't have anything to do with BMX. So it's like, I know what I have to do for them. You know what I mean? And same with Max's tires, too. It's like, I run all the tires on all the bikes. You know what I mean? So it's really just I've aligned myself with, and a lot of the brands, too, I've been with for ages. You know, Profile's almost 20 years. Max is almost 20 years. Jeez. Um, Yoshimir and ODI are, like, I've always ran ODI grips, like, throughout my whole career. Um, but only just started recently doing deals with like them and Yoshimir and 510 when I picked up the mountain bike. So it's like riding the mountain bike has actually like revived my BMX career in a sense too, because now I'm kind of helping from both sides, you know? Yeah. I mean, and and they kind of get like double the content, like they kind of kill two birds with one stone, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of an era we're going to move into with BMX of, like, not necessarily mountain bike and helping with that, but just being able to to double up on certain things in those ways and making it easier on yourself to do those, do what you need to do for the people that you represent. Yeah, exactly. And then it's kind of just up to the brands. Like, if they want something particular, like, ODI reached out to me recently and they're like, Hey, can 
and you film this video of yourself talking about like what grips you are your favorite grips or whatever. And I'm like, Oh, well, do you want me to do it for BMX or mountain bike? They're like, actually, could you do it for both? I'm like, perfect. You know? Yeah. So it's kind of just figuring out like what, what each brand specifically wants, you know, at the beginning of every year and kind of just tinkering with it, playing with it as you go, you know? Yeah. I've had like a really great opportunity. Like I got one of my really good friends hired at Yoshimira and she does like all the social media and, I can like kind of pluck her from the office whenever I want to go out and film with her. Nice. And she's like really great at what she does. So like a lot of the content that I've been uh, posting lately on my Instagram looks like very fine tuned and nice quality stuff. And it's like, because of that, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And a lot of times it's like, I can, again, it's like if I'm going out and filming with Yoshimir, a lot of times like my five pens are in the shot or this or that like you know what i mean so, so you can use it for both exactly yeah yeah it's smart it's really smart and i actually had a note to talk to you about the fact that it seems like you've been always been really conscious of like the business side of whatever cycling career we're talking about and is that something that you've been intentional about oh absolutely yeah i've seen you know so many riders that are come and gone that are like some of the best riders on the planet but mm -hmm. like they don't have a personality or they don't have any business sense or like vice versa that like they have the most amazing business sense and personality but like maybe not the best bike rider or whatever it may be you know what i mean so i've always tried to kind of stay right in the middle like i might not be the best bmx or some years or whatever it is you know what i mean but i'm always try to keep up and I, I like when I take on a sponsorship I want to put the brands first like yeah. I want them to know that they're in good hands and whatever the reason is they're hiring me for sponsorship I want to make sure I get that done plus like 100% more you know yeah um, it's like I know a lot of people don't want to think like oh like BMX is your job it's work it's whatever or like mountain biking like it's it it is like it is my job it is work like i literally leave the house some days and i'll go out and film like i went out a, a couple weeks ago uh with the yoshimira crew and like i legit filmed for seven hours all day like i didn't even take a break took like yeah. one break to like just slam down some food that like we had brought out to us like in the middle of nowhere mm -hmm. <laughs> and and like just right back on the bike grinding you know what i mean so yep. it's like you got to put the days in especially if you want it to reflect like in your social media and right now social media is like the only billboard an athlete has these days you know right so you got to make a count on your social media because that's like the only advertisement out there it's like not like back in the day where i'd sign a contract and i had like tv incentives and contest incentives and magazine incentives and video magazine incentives and like oh if you're on tv for five seconds you get this much money blah 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 like it's all changed and it's been um i feel like i'm a little slower on the sides of adapting to it because in my head i don't really want to i'm like nope yeah. i remember when social media started being, i was like nope i'm not doing it i'm not doing it i said the same thing about youtube like nope i'm not doing a youtube <laughs> channel and then next thing you know i'm doing a youtube channel so i'm i get a little like like I'm not so accepting to it all as things change, but I've learned over my long career that I just need to be quicker and just get with the program and just dive into whatever the next cool thing is, you know? 
Oh yeah. But uh, yeah. That's that's how you sustain it. Like what you're saying, you've seen so many people who are just amazing at whichever side of things, but they didn't. It didn't. Yeah, continue. they just didn't hit the mark. Yeah. And yeah. I think being conscious of these things is what can extend that for people in such an easier way. Like you literally get to wake up <clears throat> and you're meeting up with people before they go to their job job to ride. Right. Yeah. And then and then you're just killing time by doing whatever you can until you get to go ride again on a different bike. And that's like the dream, I feel like, for a lot of people is to be able to just have a, the freedom to do that. So like, is there anything that you would like give advice on for people to do to help themselves be able to have the consciousness to set themselves up like that if they're trying to make it there you know if you're the the most advice i could give you if you if you want to make it in bmx if you want to be a pro if you want to make a living doing it you have to work hard like there's no way around it yeah things will not be given to you like, granted, I've seen there's a handful of riders that are just so unbelievably talented. And, like, if they fart a certain way, like, every media outlet is going to post it. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Um, but that's, like, a dime a dozen or even more. You know what I mean? A dime and four yeah. dozen. Right. Um, so, you know, you just got to work hard. You got to put your head down. You got to be creative. Like, obviously, the big thing right now, social media, it's like, in between me riding mountain bikes in the morning and BMX in the afternoon, I'm like looking at trends on Instagram and looking up popular music and watching other creators like come up with cool stuff and then trying to take some of their stuff and making my own or just coming up with my own stuff like from scratch. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's just, it's a, it's a lot of grinding and you just got to do it. Like just got to do it if you want it. Yeah, and I guess, I mean, just from hearing you talk about this stuff, it sounds like part of that has to be just something you enjoy doing, too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I go through waves, you know. I get super burnt out on social media sometimes, and then other times I'm, like, cranking out, like, five brand-new reels in a day mm -hmm. that just editing, you know what I mean? Like, sometimes I'm so caught up on social media where, like, I could go for months without filming something new and I have something new to post every day. Yep. And then some days I'm like, shit, I don't have anything to post. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, I know what you mean because, uh, riding wise on YouTube, let me just double check here. If I pull up my sessions, I am not even into January yet for stuff I've filmed. For a session to post yeah. yeah i'm literally just now getting to i think the beginning of december yeah literally just got to the beginning of december and i have everything filmed since then to now just <laughs> in the chamber ready to edit to just post. hanging out i know when i was doing like youtube stuff more consistently i was trying to post like one video a week Mm -hmm. and uh i had so much content and stuff to edit and it was great. I had like a really good system too, because I would make like two different reels based around the episode yep. and I'd post them at certain times of the, of the week. And then everything in between that is like basically what I'm just doing. Like if I'm at the trails and I do a, a knack knack seat grab, like it goes in there somewhere, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, but I haven't really been too on top of the YouTube stuff lately. 
and I don't want to like repeat stuff on YouTube either. Like I did a thing for Sedona last year. I didn't really want to do it again this year. And I'm glad that I did not because it was like, granted, it would have been a different adventure, but I don't know that it would have been as great as the first one in Sedona, you know? Yeah. And maybe that's just me being picky, but I'm also like, I've been, I've been telling people like, cause they asked me about my YouTube and I'm like, yeah, like I don't stress about it. Like I know there's an algorithm, like I'm kind of over algorithms on every platform. It just is what it is. If I like, I was thinking about going to Brazil and doing this one cause I've never done a YouTube for this Brazil contest. So mm -hmm. it's like, maybe I'll come out of retirement. I haven't posted a YouTube since God knows when last, you know, but forget it. I'll just do it anyways and throw it up on the YouTube. And if people like it, awesome. If they don't awesome. Like it is what it is. Yeah. But it's just like a little extra, like all these little social media things are just like, I might not do them all. Instagram is probably the only one I do consistent. And then I push all that to my Facebook fan page and Twitter too. Right. But like consistently or all the other ones that are inconsistent are just kind of like extras, you know, mm -hmm. like maybe, a, maybe ODI gets a little bit more, extra incentive because I'm wearing a hat the whole time or like th this brand, you know what I mean? It's just like little extra hits. Like, Oh, at the end of the year, I did 20 YouTube episodes, throw it on the resume for the end of the year, you know? Damn. I need to do that. Cause I literally post every day and be like 365. Yeah. But so you'd, be, you'd be surprised how impressive stuff looks on paper. Like that's one of the things that in, in fact, I don't really share much with many athletes, but, um, like I do this whole thing at the end of the year, I have a friend that uh, builds me an infographic and it has a certain amount of uh, numbers on it, shows social media numbers, it shows like videos I was in, it shows contest placing, it shows this, shows that. It's like I'll build the infographic and then I have like another graphic that is my entire schedule of what I accomplished for like 2022, let's say, you yeah. know? And then I have another one that's like all the YouTube stuff. It's like once you start seeing all of it on paper, you're like, dang, like you pass this across like the right person's desk. And it'd be like, this dude is busy, you know? Yeah. And that's really what I try and do. My, my schedule throughout, especially like last year, my schedule was insane. I was doing like three different trips a month, like for the entire year. Jeez. Uh, this year I told myself I wasn't going to spread myself so thin and like kind of just go to the things that I really want to go to because there were a lot of times where like I committed to something last year and it was just to go and have fun. But then like, I couldn't go to a fest series event oh, yeah. because I already committed. And it's like, so I'm trying to leave some areas open so that when these dates pop up to like really big jump stuff that I want to ride, I can go, you know? Yeah. And I guess so. maybe another good thing to talk about for somebody who's like trying to take this stuff to the next level or wanting to make a career out of these things is like, I feel like there's a misconception in BMX that just like getting posted by a BMX media thing is like going to help in those regards. But I feel like those, it's not as important as having the, the way to leverage those different social medias for these outside companies, because to, to be totally honest with everybody and everybody already knows this, like you have to have like five BMX sponsors who pay you if you want to be able to make a living off of it. So totally. Yeah. And you Absolutely. throughout the years have been really good at leveraging what you do with companies outside of BMX. And, and Correct. Yeah. So how are, what's your thought process? Maybe not how you actually do it, but just 
what you think about whenever you're trying to think of like, how do I translate what I'm doing to how I can bring value to the brand to help myself? Well, you know, so the thing with, like you mentioned, like I've done really well with having outside sponsors, non-endemic sponsors of BMX on my sponsorship list. And, you know, that kind of goes with where I fell into as far as like starting to compete and stuff growing up. Um, a lot of the times have been where like, you know, Dave Mira rides for Slim Jim and Jay mm -hmm. Miron and McNeil sponsored by Sobe team and blah, blah, blah. Like there were a ton of dollars coming in from outside of BMX that were helping a lot of BMX riders um, have really great careers and, and, you know, have really great success. Um, so I kind of caught the tail, the tail end of that, which was still really, really good. And I learned a lot of things from those companies. Um, and I got sent to so many different courses, whether it was for public speaking or this and that. So I learned a lot, like kind of throughout that process and just having, and I keep saying resume, it's because I actually do have a resume that if I'm going to put together yep. a sponsorship package, like the resume is in there. Yep. And my resume hits on every corporate company that I've ever written for, certain things that I've done with them that stand out, blah, blah, blah. Um, so if you want to become a writer that is like kind of sponsored by non-endemic brands and that can actually bring you in a significant amount of money to not only make a living off BMX, but start a savings for your future. Um, you just have to learn, you have to get real business savvy. You have to learn the ins and out of business. Um, you have to understand marketing strategies. There's a lot that goes into it. And, you know, I would say probably the best way to learn about it is going to school. Cause there's a lot of the writers out there that like you wouldn't realize, like went to school and kind of knew the ins and out of it already. And it just worked mm, for them. Yeah. I mean, on top of them being really great, successful riders and not doing the gnarly stuff, obviously. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I graduated high school. I did one semester of college and I got the opportunity to one move to Woodward camp to work for target at the camp. Mm. So that was kind of like my stepping stone. And once I went through with that, like everything just started speeding up real fast. You know, it's yeah. like I was winning X Games medals, winning overall due to our championships, winning the worlds and all these other events here in between that, you know. Um, so it's really just keeping that snowball effect of momentum rolling and uh, just getting eyes on you, attracting people. You see it in this day and age. It's like social media influencers and stuff. You know, it's like they're starting to bring deals in for themselves because they are able to um, relate to the public. You know yep. what I mean? So like being able to relate to certain things. That's the crazy thing about mountain biking is like there's a lot of like mountain bike influencers. Um, and that's because like the general consumer of buying mountain bikes is just kind of the everyday Joe. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. And like the things that a mountain bike influencer is doing or talking about or making a skit about whatever is like insanely relatable to them. So it's like they start picking up all these followers and blah, blah, blah. Before you know it, it's like they're wheeling, wheeling and dealing, you know? Yep. So, so it's, it really comes down to understanding your market, where you want to be. I knew like 
when I was competing and winning stuff, who, who I was marketable to and what brands wanted to work with me. And it's literally just taking a breath, gaining the confidence, stepping in, putting your foot in the door and selling yourself. <laughs> it yeah. really is. And so a couple of things with that. I've just recognized through talking about all this stuff that you seem to have, at least early on, changed the way you think about this stuff too from just being, just calling it, oh, it's a sponsorship. Earlier you said hiring you for sponsorship and then talking about working for Target and changing your mindset from, oh, I'm gonna get sponsored to, oh, I'm getting hired by these companies to work for them because that's what you're doing. Right, exactly. That's exactly what it is. And it's and, and it's the same definition too. Like, I would say if you got sponsored by Cult, it's the same thing. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you're getting hired to represent a brand and and build the brand under your name. You know, I mean, a lot of people don't realize it, but it's like you're you know brand more. You're a brand. You know, mm-hmm. so it's like, and especially the way social media is, it's like. You know, do sometimes I look at like, like, you know, companies like I don't want to single anyone out, but, you know, like all the BMX media companies, it's like some of these pro riders out there could be that they are their own BMX, like, like media company. You know what I mean? Like some of these riders have more followers than all of the media companies combined. Yep. And it's like they should almost be paying that rider to put them on their site. You know what I mean? Yep. So it's, uh, it's, it's a crazy where I'm getting at is it's a, it's a crazy world we're living in and going back to the original question of like advice and whatnot to up and comers, or if you wanted to make a living in BMX, it's really just all about adapting to the times and knowing your worth, which I think is insanely important. I was uh, actually hit up, recently by a very uh wealthy media outlet about posting the front flip to the fence clip mm-hmm. and they were like they always come into your dms and they're like hey i uh, wanted to talk to you about this clip and they send you the link and they're like we'll give you full credit if we can post this <laughs> yeah because i want full credit like for you to post it you, you know? can't even it's post like, it without licensing it anyway so good luck exactly, with that <laughs> exactly so that's what i do i reply like hey thanks for reaching out um yeah this clip is licensed by juke and media so if you would like to license it like here's the link or whatever you know mm-hmm. and it's like don't give know your self-worth do not give yourself to anybody for free, yep. you know, because what you're doing is a is work, it's a service. You're risking your life for these things. You need compensation for it. And to go along with these lines too, it's like people are going to hear everything that we just said and be like, "Oh no, man, can't do that." It's BMX core, this core, that, and and we're talk, we're saying to think about it that way, but it doesn't that doesn't necessarily have to affect the way that you portray it. You know, if you can think about it as like, I'm hired by cult, you mentioned cult, like someone's going to think about cult and be like, Oh, this is not a job, whatever. But it's like, you think about it as a job and then you do your own thing with it. And I guarantee you're going to make it further by thinking that way than by being like, Oh, I'm just riding my bike. 
Yeah, and they might say that about Colt, but Robbie Morales is one of the most business savvy people in BMX. Yep. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, but but again, uh, like you were saying about some other BMX rider, might be no way it's BMX. Like it's to each their own. You exactly. Know? That's what's that's what's so great about BMX. It's like the it's the whole lifestyle, everything about it is freestyle. Do what do whatever you want. Like whatever you want to take out of BMX, like take it and be happy. You know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and, and be happy for people that are taking it in different ways. And you know what I mean? Oh, so I it, totally. does, it doesn't have to be like a, like a verbal war on, I, I see these verbal wars happening a lot with people because they're like, Oh, BMX is this BMX. That. No, it's whatever you want it to be. Like as long as you're happy and you're on a bike and you're riding, like that's the end goal every day. Yep. Absolutely. And, uh, I wanted to talk more about the Juken Media thing because that I feel is a very underutilized way for people to make money off of stuff that they already have. If you have any Absolutely. kind of crazy crash or anything crazy happened and you filmed it or you know who filmed it and you're in it, submit it on Juken Media because there's a chance that you could get like paid, really oh, yeah. paid for it. Honestly, like obviously bmx is like a crazy lifestyle and we all have come across more than a million crazy moments Mm -hmm. and most of these moments have been filmed like i get i'm on a mailing list for juke and media so i get all the things that they're looking for like oh yeah the requests yeah you know like so and so is looking for moments on the beach or something about dogs or whatever it is you know what i mean yeah like you can just throw any clip up there and you never know if it's going to hit gold. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I actually, uh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, it's almost like submitting clips is, it could be very profitable. You know what I mean? It could, the if you have a ton of, a ton of clips that are interesting, whatever you throw them up there. Next thing you know, you could have this like corporate sponsorship that'll last you a lifetime. You don't even know it. Exactly. And just to give an example of, one of those like email things that went out there. There was one a couple years ago that went out. The Olympic Channel is looking for fails and then successes or something along those lines. And if you right. have a clip like this, submit it. And I was like, holy crap, I have a clip like this. So I submitted when I was doing, uh, when it hit 2020, I, it hit midnight and I did a decade on flat ground. So I could do the mm-hmm. first decade of the decade. And so I crashed really hard trying it because it was midnight, you know, and it was just yeah. whatever. So I submitted that and it was the easiest $400 I've ever made because it was like, yeah. oh, cool. Perfect opportunity. They wanted it. And it was that simple. And I got to be on the Olympics or Instagram page. Yeah. Yeah. And then like that clip could just be making you money like for the rest of your life too. Anyone can pick it up at any time or like whatever like it's you just make incentives on it forever yeah what's the what's the craziest place that you saw the front flip thing end up man did you pay attention Uh, at all uh, oh yeah definitely i mean it honestly hit like every corner like i saw it on snoop dogg's instagram (laughs) it was on the ellen degeneres show that's it was it was on uh, like ridiculousness. It's been on Tosh.0 five times, probably, <laughs> um, for different segments and different clips and whatever. Yeah. Um, and it's 
and it hit all the crazy like uh, digital media stuff, Unilad, like all those, all those Daily Mail, all that stuff. It went everywhere, especially the first like 24 hours when I when it came out. When I dropped it on the platform five years ago, it was what I could find. Uh, it was over 50 million views. Yeah. And then um, it just kind of it just kind of cruised, and you know it went got to a point where it just plateaued and I was just like raking in, you know, a certain amount of money every month. And then for whatever, re Oh, it was when Instagram started doing reels and they were starting to pay certain people to do reels. Mm -hmm. So I was like one of the people that was able to do the reels play and get paid for them. So I was literally, I was and this is a time in my head too, where I was like, I have so much footage that I post once and it disappears yep. not that it disappears but like i never use it again yep i'm like why am i not recycling my footage i work super hard to create the content and i post it once yep. and it does whatever it wants to do it either hits an algorithm or it doesn't and now with the instagram rhythms and stuff it's like sometimes you post stuff and nobody sees it you know so i do that a lot more i recycle footage but um i right at the four year mark for whatever reason it just happened to be four years and i was like oh crap so like front flip to the fence is about to turn four so i posted it on instagram reels next thing you know it's at 99 million views on instagram reels yeah so and you wouldn't believe the, the comments too it's like like four million comments and it's unbelievable like how long the clip's been around and how many people have actually seen it but how many people haven't seen it mm -hmm. it's pretty wild did, so, did you have any super like obscure things? I'm just asking because I had uh, the ice pick stall where I did the Rubik's cube. It, oh yeah, that ended up in a commercial for I forget what country it was some foreign European Project, country. Oh, okay, yeah, it was in a European country's uh, energy drink commercial. <laughs> Oh, sick. It's like Tiger something or another, and it's just like the fun. It was literally in there for like three seconds. But, dude, I made like 1500 bucks just from that three seconds of them using that that f clip because of Juke and Media. So it's a perfect – and, I mean, yeah. not everybody it's has sick. a front flip to fence, but, like, we right. all have yeah. something that you could something. submit for that. Yeah, or, like, tons of little things end up being a big thing, yep. you know? But yeah, my I, the Ch or, sorry the Japanese really love the front flip to the fence. Like it's I'm always have some crazy like Japanese TV show or something like licensing the clip like mm. constantly. It's crazy. It's so I think cool. it's because they have all the funny like like obstacle course shows and weird oh, stuff yeah. like that over there. But like that type of TV like I guess is just like kind of a Japanese thing, and it's constantly somewhere on the TV in Japanese. That's pretty funny. Or in Japan, sorry. <laughs> it's in Japanese, too. <laughs> it is in Japanese, too. <laughs> uh, so going back to the whole, like, business mindset and stuff, does, is this something that you just figured out on your own, or did people or someone give you guidance on that? No, I mean, it was a little bit of everything. Um, like, even before I, like, came onto the do tour scene and in, in 2006 and like won the whole dirt series. Um, you know, that in 2005 at the very first do tour, like my, I was dead last in the standings, yeah. but I always had, um, I already had an agent at that time. 
So uh, Steve Swope was still involved with Hoffman Bikes, and uh, he left basically in 2000, like end of 2005, I believe, he left Hoffman Bikes to um, join an agency called IMG, mm. which is a really big agency in L.A., New York, all yeah. around the world. Uh, mostly modeling and kind of stuff like that. But like, for instance, like me and Sean White and Nate Adams, I think maybe one other person, we were like the only handful of like action sports athletes that they had. Um, so I was under Steve Swope's wing for many, many years. Um, it wasn't until like, like uh, BMX events and stuff started crashing out in like 2013 time era, like 12, 13, they started to get less and less. Um, where we kind of just parted ways. We were like, hey, like, I'm not doing anything. Like, you're, like, we've helped each other to, out to, like, I think where we're just done, you know? Yeah. Like, it just kind of fizzled out. There wasn't too many deals coming in at that time, um, and we were just kind of on cruise control. Yep. So, uh, and we're still great friends to this day, but Steve taught me so much about business and uh, basically his words when we had the phone call, he was like, yeah, he's like, you know, we've been through it all. We've looked through hundreds of contracts and this and that. He's like, you take it all in really well. He's like, everything that I've taught you, I know that you can like put it into place. Like when the time comes, he's like, I'm not at all, all worried about it. I'm like yeah. sick. So he was, he was a huge help. He helped me through BMX in so many different ways, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and then, yeah, pretty much after that, like since since about 2003 or sorry, since about 2013. Yeah, I've just done it all on my own at nice. that point. I've had different thoughts in my head from day to day here and there, like, oh, maybe I should get an agent. And then I'm like, yeah, I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. So, yeah. Huh. That's cool yeah. to hear that. Just just interested in hearing that side of things. And I think that people can get something out of that because we just i mean it's bmx riders and the internet we just kind of enjoy posting on instagram and a lot of people just that's what they do and i think a lot of people might not realize that by doing that you're building this thing that you can leverage with a whole array of companies and brands and other things like that to help you yeah absolutely yeah I tr in, in my career, I've t tried to take every experience as a learning one, even if it's a failure or a huge success, it doesn't matter. There's always something that you could take from the scenario and turn it into a positive, turn it into a learning experience, whatever, whatever it is, there's always something that you can learn from every experience. So I've always kind of really lived by that. And, and that's always like, that's just kind of always what I do. Yeah. And I think a really cool aspect of that with you specifically is just it really feels like through everything you do that it's just you're being 100% authentic and yourself in it all. Yeah, and that's that's the other cool thing is like when I, uh, you know, kind of fell into the contest scene and all that, my whole brand and career was built off authenticity. Yeah. Um, there's, um, there's nothing fake about me like that – even if you watch my YouTubes, like some of my friends call me monotony because I'm just like kind of monotone. I'm not going to be that dude like, hey, what's up? We're here. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like, you know, like what you get is what you get, you know, yep. what you see is what you get. So, um, yeah, uh, like 
I've always just built my brand, my whole brand, my career off being authentic. I think it's like super, super important. Um, that's like my top note, you know what I mean? For anyone that's out there trying to, trying to make BMX or any action sports or whatever for a living, you know, just be authentic, be yourself and, uh, you know, work hard. Yeah. I firmly believe in that as well. And I, preach being yourself more than anything else and and what i like to say is like be so authentically yourself and in riding be yourself so well and get so good at it that it makes somebody want you to be involved with them exactly yeah that's usually what happens you know that's like some of the things like that you see like oh so and so sponsored by whoever or whatever and they're doing cool stuff it's like they got there because they were being themselves you know Yep, and that's, I mean, you just look at any any of the top-level BMX riders. So the I feel like the top-level pros that we all know of are, like, the people who are just themselves. And then all of, you see people underneath of that who are, like, riding similarly or they're trying to be, like, the people that they look up to. But then when you look at that very top level, it's just a bunch of people who got amazingly good at their part of what they do yeah totally yeah i mean you know it takes time again it's all it's all like a learning experience you know mm-hmm. i've definitely seen like that dude that has a mindset like all right i idolize this guy like i need to learn all the tricks and do them the way he does them and then they go out there and they can't figure out why they're in not even making the finals and like the dude that idolizes on the podium or whatever you know mm-hmm. but um like it all comes together at some point, you know, like some people start off that way and then they just find this side street and they go down it and they're like, they just kind of find their way. You know, I've seen it over and over again, like so many athletes finding their way, you know, and it's so sick. And you have to do it. It Yeah. It it doesn't feel right. I can't, I actually, I can't even say that. I'm sure it doesn't feel right to get to a certain level of anything by trying to be somebody else because you can't do it yeah. forever it's, it can't last forever yeah totally you can only hold up an act for so long you know but yeah authenticity is is the way to go in my opinion i've just been that way my whole career so yeah so here's a great curveball for you <laughs> dude <laughs> named brody butterfield says anyway anthony hit us with a good bee hunt story Oh man. (laughs) Oh, I've known Brian Hunt for so long. I'm trying to think of like a really good one though. Uh, all right. One time we were in Puerto Rico and, uh, we were literally just surfing and and partying in Puerto Rico. It was awesome. We were there for like, uh, yeah, almost a week or whatever, just hanging out, riding a little BMX here and there, but mostly just like a nice vacation. Um, Brian was just on one. And we were at this like bar that was kind of on a second story, but in this small little town called Rincon. And uh, it was like kind of near the beach too, but we kept looking around like, where's Brian? Where's Brian? And we'd like go outside and he'd just be on his back, palm to the sky with his cell phone and his wallet on his chest. He's like, Brian, get up, get up, come on. We like grab him, drag him back into the bar. And then, you know, we'd be hanging out and we'd look around, where's Brian again? And we'd go back outside and be somewhere else, just laid up, <laughs> phone, all in there. He's he's the best. 
I love them. That's, it's, that's probably not the best story. I, we've had so many times. We've traveled around the world together. Like, we've both been severely injured in places and helping each other out. He's like one of my long life friends. And uh, I love that dude. Nice. That was a good enough story, I think. Yeah. Also, uh, I see that my phone is hitting 10%. Okay, we can <laughs> we can get this wrapped up soon. I got just a couple more quick things. No, here. you're good. Yeah, we got this. So, I can't remember if I've ever heard you talk about this or not, but is there anything that you're doing to try to have longevity for your body and, and in riding and stuff that you're, like, doing on purpose? Yeah, honestly, uh, like, mountain biking has uh, helped a ton with that like it's just a whole nother level of, of fitness and mm-hmm. that's kind of really why i like riding mountain bikes is like i enjoy climbing up mountains which sounds really weird um <laughs> on the bike yeah because most people don't like it they want to take the shuttle to the top and they just want to bomb the downhill and have fun yeah. i kind of enjoy being in the pain cave so that's that's helped out a lot just with my fitness i've never really been like a go to the gym or do crossfit kind of guy like I've definitely gone through my phases of it mm-hmm. and uh, I get really into it and then I, I fall out of the practice and then I don't want to get back into it. Yeah. Um, so mountain biking has been like a pretty solid, consistent workout for me for the last like five years. Um, on the other hand, my brother is an absolute beast. Like he'll, <laughs> he's training for like an Ironman and he's like always doing CrossFit and he rides a gravel bike and he rides a mountain bike. And he's just insane. He has two kids and, He's like a super dad. That's um, funny. Yeah. So, you know, there's that. Um, and really just like healthy eating. I've always been super self aware of like what I'm eating. Um, mm. I'm a total foodie though. Like you'll see if you follow me on Instagram that I'm posting like the biggest feast on the Traeger and all that. Um, but I try my best to eat really good stuff as well. So, yeah. It's, it's really just about like proper dieting, knowing what you're putting in your body, knowing what works for your body. Cause everyone's different, you know, maybe some, some people's bodies work better on, on like leaner meats, maybe some on fattier meats, whatever it is, or no meats at all, you know, or only meat <laughs> or only meat. Yeah. I knew the man, the, uh, Sam that used to own tree, Sam used from to tree, only yeah. eat, yeah, used to only eat raw meat out of glass mason jars that were like, the meat was green and yeah. So anyways, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's really just, I train on the mountain bike a lot with the climbing and everything and the endurance of like going downhill and, and doing that whole thing. Um, I'm not much of a stretcher. I used to go in and out of stretching, but I, I feel like I found that once you start stretching, you can't stop stretching. Mm. And that if you do stop stretching, that's where you start to feel like, oh, I'm hurting, I'm tight, whatever. Like oh. I've never been a big stretcher, so I don't stretch at all ever. Well, for me, <laughs> but I'm pretty flexible. I just don't stretch at all. Yeah, I think for me, I I just stretch like when I feel the tightness, and then I'll use totally. like the percussion massage gun thing yeah yeah when I, I have use all those. that stuff yeah what about uh do you do any kind of supplements vitamins um mike spinner hooks me up with a lot of evl stuff oh so... these oh yeah yeah oh these oh yeah those yeah we See, love you, you know. mike <laughs> yes we do we love you mike <laughs> so um yeah 
I, I use a lot of the EVL products. Um, I also ride for uh, Just Live CBD. So I do a lot of CBD stuff as well. This one's my favorite. Oh, yeah, the BCA. So usually I do like the in the mornings, I do the pre-workout. Mm. And I'll put it in a water bottle and I'll drink it like 10, 15 minutes before excuse me, before I get to the trailhead. Yep. And then what's usually inside my water bottle on my bike is the BCAA. Gotcha. Yeah, I like to mix that up so I can have something that tastes better than water for lunch. Right, yeah. And take the vitamins in the morning. And, dude, it's, I swear, it's the kind of thing I talk about this all the time because it's, like, important because I notice if I miss out on this stuff for a couple days, like, all of it, I feel it. Yeah. And you can, yep. you can definitely tell when you're, like, your body's like running well and then you're not giving it the stuff that it's used to running well on you feel it right yeah i try and get most like most of my vitamins and nutrition just through the food that i eat mm. um sometimes i do go through these kicks like i have a, a cold press like juicer yeah so sometimes i get really into that um like if if i'm injured there's times where i'm only just doing juices gotcha yeah, so juices and then eating like, you know, chicken and rice and chicken, rice, beans, whatever, ahi tuna, steaks, stuff like that. Nice. Um, and then, you know, if, if I'm injured and I'm on that program, I'm also like, depending on what the injury is, sometimes I'll be like out and about on the road bike, just keeping, keeping the blood going or like on the Peloton or something like that. Yeah, I think one thing before... Uh my last question uh, mm -hmm. I think a lot of people also don't realize that you know you have a really hard riding day you ride eight hours in one day and, and you go crazy hard and then the next day you're just like oh you sometimes need a cool down ride so that you can like ease Absolutely. into that or you can make it worse feeling on yourself yeah there's days there's definitely been days where we get a big crew together on the mountain bikes and we're like, all right, we're doing like a 5,000, you know, 5,000 uh, feet climb today. And then we're going to hit the downhill and it's like five hours in the saddle sometimes. Mm -hmm. So it, that's a tough day. And usually like the next morning I'll hop on the road ride and I'll just go pedal for 15 miles and just chill out, you know, yeah. just get the blood get the blood moving, flush out all the bad stuff, it all helps. the lactic acids and, and, uh, just kind of recover from that. Yeah. It's real. It's definitely real. Um, so my last question, and I hope I'm not wrong in remembering this, but I <laughs> feel like I remember you used to post something about, uh, reptiles. Oh yeah. Chameleons. Do yeah, you still chameleons. do that? I do not have any panther chameleons, but I'm still really great friends with uh, with like the breeders and the family that I was getting the chameleons from. They live like just 40 minutes inland from me. Um, <laughs> I don't do them anymore, but I wish they're dude, they're so cool. I've always I've always had like some type of reptile, like yeah. since I was a kid, had like a knolls, and then graduated to like uh, bearded dragons and iguanas, but mm -hmm. there was. A time when I was like I don't know in my teens and I had a panther chameleon and uh I was just once that was over I was just so bummed and I always wanted like a panther chameleon again yeah and uh a hand like probably five years ago or whatever I got 
another one. And then next thing you know, I had like three of them. And then I actually did a thing where I was breeding them. That's what and I was like going to ask about. Yeah. Yeah. I was breeding them and, and, and selling them. And I had like customers and returning customers and, and stuff like that. Um, and this was in a time where I was only riding BMX and it was really, really slow at the time. Mm. So, uh, I don't know. I just kind of fell into it somehow and it worked out, but, uh, yeah, I haven't, I haven't had chameleons for, I don't know, probably, probably four, four years. Gotcha. Yeah. That sounds about right. Yeah. Probably four years. <laughs> I, I feel like I know how you fell into it. Probably the same way I fell into crested geckos because I bought one and then I was like, oh, you can breed these things this easily. All right, I'm going to buy a breeding pair Then I buy a breeding (laughs) pair. And the next thing you know, I got like a thousand dollars and all this stuff and I'm buying a really expensive baby on the internet. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And like I could never sell them. So like I literally have one, two, three, four, six six right now there you go yeah yeah i literally they're they're such interesting creatures especially with chameleons they run on bloodlines almost like like dogs do literally like dogs yeah yeah so it's like in in panther chameleons only come from the island of madagascar and they're kind of named after their state so like Mm. a state in madagascar is ambalobi or sembava or nocebe as to where, like, say we had chameleons in the States, you know, it'd be like Ohio and Pennsylvania, whatever mm-hmm. it would be, you know. Um, but they, yeah, they, like, tried to breed them pure. Like, you have to breed, like, the Ambalobi females and males together. I mean, they do crosses and stuff. But, um, yeah, it's like people are like, oh, is it, like, pure blood Ambalobi or pure blood this? Pure... It's, it gets hectic. It's crazy. It's funny, and it's funny too because crested geckos are the same way. They only come from the island of New Caledonia, and okay, yeah, and just the craziness of that. So I was just curious if you still, so you don't have anything yeah, at all right I, now. I I don't right now. No, I would definitely like to, but it would have to be in a time where life slows down and I can be home and take care. The last thing I want to do is like it to be a burden on anyone, you know. So. Right. I try to live within my, within my means most times, stay in my lane and not drag too many people into my life, you know? I get it. Yeah, we're about to move into this house. I got all these geckos, and I'm like, what am I going to do when we go away for a whole weekend and these things need fed and watered every day? <laughs> that's, yeah. That's life, though. So uh, It is. Anthony, where can people find you on the Internet, and what do you have coming up for people to pay attention to? Um, well, I'm pretty much Anthony Napo, uh, A-N-T-H-O-N-Y-N-A-P-O across all social media platforms. Uh, you can find me on YouTube, I think under my full name and maybe, I can't remember if I created a handle on there or not, but it'd be my full name, A-N-T-H-O-N-Y. You made a handle and it's Napo. It's the same as Instagram, but for some reason it doesn't come up when you search it. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's probably something about, you know, you know how YouTube is it's all crazy. Yep. I probably didn't hit the level to where I could use a handle yet. Who knows? Um, but yeah, I'm mostly active on, uh, my Instagram and I push everything from Instagram onto Facebook. 
uh, fan page and Twitter if you're a Twitter person, which is crazy because there are so many Twitter people out there still. Yeah, so there's all of that. And then, like, who all are you riding for these days? Can you remember the whole list? Um, yeah, let's hope so. <laughs> I, I'm going to have it up um, here in case you yeah. uh, miss any. So uh, on the BMX side, I ride for Colony BMX brand, Maxxis Tires, uh, Yoshimira Cycling, ODI Grips, uh, 510, which is Adidas footwear, uh, Ethica, 5050 bikes, um, and then I think that's it. Did I say Maxxis? You might not have, but now you did. Okay, Maxxis. Um, and then on the mountain bike side, basically all of those brands <laughs> that like kind of connect, like, oh, Profile Racing, obviously, guys. That's yeah. the whole reason we're here. <laughs> Literally. So, <laughs> yeah, Profile, ODI, Yoshimira, 510. Um, those all transfer to mountain bike. I ride for YT Industries. Um, I get a lot of support from Marzocchi uh, Suspension. DD components. Uh, I have. I actually have a signature uh, protection kit from a company named Didebro. So it stands for Do You Even Drip, Bro. Mm. Uh, and you can get a protection kit for the BMX bike and mountain bikes. So nice. I actually have one on my BMX. It's a like signature Anthony Anthony Napo uh, protection kit. It's all kind of like tattoo inspired artwork on the on the protection kit, which is really sick. Uh, that was actually one of the cooler things that I did on that side. Um, and I think that, Oh, and just live CBD I'm trying to think that's, I feel like I hit them all somehow. Well, if there was more, they're not listed on your Instagram because I think you hit everything on there. True. I hit. So everything that you see on my Instagram is like people that pay to be there. So, uh. Um, that's, that's kind of my rule for social media. Um, I do small things, a lot of story stuff for brands that I work with that don't like pay to play. Mm -hmm. Um, so you'll see that I post a lot of Traeger stuff. They take care, they take care of me and my brother really well. So Traeger grills, big shout out to you guys. Um, we do more with them than just posting stuff on the internet. They fly us places and invite us to cool events and whatnot. Um, yeah, and there's a bunch of other brands out there. I started kind of working with this Waterloo, uh, sparkling water brand. And, uh, yeah, so that's that. Hell yeah. So for everyone who's still here, Galaxy Rust is coming out March 11th. Something. For week of the 13th, right? Week of the 13th? Yeah, the notes say oh, March yeah, somewhere 11th. Around. Yeah, you're right. Sorry. And... You're going to have to be on it, people. <laughs> yep, be on it. Hit up your local bike. Like, hit them up now. Talk to your local bike shops. If you have one particular that carries profile racing, hit them up. Because as soon as this goes live, they're absolutely going to know. They're going to get the emails the morning they get to work. And you're going to want to have your order in then so they can get it. There it is. So check them out. And uh, thanks for doing this, Anthony. This was sick. Yeah, no problem, man. Thanks for having me. It was a really good chat. I'm stoked we were able to link up. I'm I'm real happy that this was something that we talked about a year, maybe a over a year, and here we are now. So we made it happen. So on that note, everyone, check them out and have a good night.
Thanks, guys.